Page 228, The Light Inside the Dark, The Monk's Child. Resting in the source makes us open. <clears throat> what we do not know allows the tile to work on its own. When we can exist in uncertainty and receive things in the fog they are so often wrapped in, they will eventually become clear of themselves. Oh, yeah. Kai Quinn was a grand old Japanese master who revived the Enlightenment School of Zen. In late life, he taught lords and village fishing people and was said to be at home with each. A story about him when he was young shows that even then he knew how to let life make life clear. Now this particular tale took place more than two centuries ago in a feudal town, but it also occurs today. At this time, Aquin was in training, scrapping his living, begging in the streets and meditating late into the night. A beautiful girl lived nearby. Aquin did not think this a part of his story, but he was wrong, for the young girl was pregnant, and although she tried to hide it, nature took its course. Oops, sorry. Oh, I keep uh, forgetting that. Okay. When her parents found out the girl was not in an enviable, enviable, enviable position, who is the father? They asked, but she wanted to pro protect him and did not answer. Eventually, with a mixture of cajoling cajoling and threat, they broke down her resistance to some degree and she said, it was the monk down the road who made me like this. So the parents who were impulsive like their daughters swept up the baby and burst through the door of Hakun's little hut. Here, they shouted. You can't get away with this. We've heard all about monks like you. It's your baby. You take care of it. Is that so? Said Haku and held out his arms. He then had to go out and beg food for the baby. Nobody wanted to give anything to such a monk whose morals must have been terrible because, well, use your eyes. What's the use of spending money on this one, they would say. Meanwhile, he had to meditate and rock the baby, wash the baby, feed the baby. This was not the life he had anticipated when he became a monk. As time went on, the young girl felt worse and worse. Sorry. I don't know why it's not scrolling. Let me try uh, this. There we go. <laughs> she missed her child. Then she took her parents aside and said, look, I'm sorry, but that monk didn't have anything to do with me. I was just covering up the fisher boy next door. 
Without further consideration, the parents came bursting through the door of Hakuin's, Hakuin's little hut. Terribly sorry, they cried out. Dreadful mistake. It wasn't you after all. We'll take the baby back now. Is that so, said Hakumi, surrendering the child. Cody? This, is that so? Mine has many names. It is called, for example, <clears throat> the Jewel Mirror Meditation. The mirror that perfectly reflects everything that arrives in you. If an emu comes, an emu is reflected with its scrawny neck. Do you know what an emu? Wait, do you know what an emu is? Yeah, it's just a bird. It's a oh, really okay. huge bird. Okay. It's really huge. Thank you. <clears throat> like an ostrich, right? Yeah, a little bit smaller than the ostrich, but they they almost look pretty similar. <clears throat> if a baby comes a baby is reflected with its unfocused eyes and we meet it purely at age 60 the old Chinese master Zhao Zhu Kunshin wanted to refine his understanding before he began teaching so he went on a 20 year pilgrimage to meet the wisest people of the day he said if I meet a 100 year old man and I have something to teach him I will teach him if I meet a child of eight and he has something to teach me, I will learn from him. I like that perspective. <clears throat> Along with High Quinn's receptive clarity, there's another point to the story of the infant. Someone has to want the baby to speak for the baby to claim the infant little, little valued. The child Moses, the baby Jesus. How many babies are brought into the world just like this? By accepting it, Hai Quinn says, this is my child and blesses the small life that the world has cast into his arms. The way microscopic creatures live in hot volcanic vents in the deep trenches in the Pacific or albatrosses cruise in the gales of the great southern ocean, the Bodhisattva lives where the universe is always coming into being. <coughs> it is an unusual but fundamentally natural habitat. Haquin had empathy for the <laughs> urgent life surrounding him, and this empathy is what makes him still interesting to us. We hear his story and we try to understand who might act as he did. Imagine ourselves into his deeds and words. The way I've heard the story, he was pretty, uh, he had a bunch of people following him. And when they found out that he had uh, moral issues, uh, they all left him, but he didn't defend himself to them. He had charity toward dreams and transgressions, fidelity to whatever life brought before him, babies, work, reading, the griefs of war, and the musings of peace. Feeling the lives of others as his own, the Bodhisattva steps free of her own shape and self and passes through nothingness 
into the life of the other. If saving beings is the task of the Bodhisattva, imagining them as her method. Can you read again that from Feeling the Lives, please? From Feeling the Lives of Others as Her Own, the Bodhisattva steps free of her own shape and self and passes through nothingness into the life of the other. If savings beings is the task of the Bodhisattva, imagining them is her method. And I think this next chapter talks about imagining things. Okay. So. Thank you. You're welcome. Imagining things. The world's vast imagination throws up rivers and pines, status and beautiful men and women found among ruins, war, people, drinking mango sodas under umbrellas, ancient cities with narrow alleys, washing stretch, stretched high up in the sunshine between the balconies, shell holes in white walls, eucalyptus trees lying down and their elbows among termite mounds, mounds. red kangaroos, mathematics, and the quest for spiritual understanding. The mystery underneath us dreams, imagines, makes, and in our humble and turbulent fashion, so that we imitate and praise it. The ancient Greek source of the world for poet means maker. And when John Dunbar grieved his friend, he called the poem Lament for the Makers. But the imagination of the mystery itself makes us all up. Flowers, stories, and the tellers of stories. It's not our it's not our own imagination. It's not our own, the imagination. It just brings into the into being, <clears throat> bring things into being about us the way a coral island appears in the South Pacific with its stacked up overhanging cloud, its palms dipping in the trade wind, and its surf beating on the outer reefs. We do not cause the imagination or deserve it, yet it is intrins intrinsically part of us and sustains us every day. We use the world's riches in the humblest fashion, wearing clothes and walking in the sunlight. And in this way, shape ourselves as well as the world. Imagination links us to our origins. It summons us from nowhere and returns us there when it is done. A brightness fell out of heaven and we carry it everywhere in our breasts. Each portal holds the same moon. The Chinese poet said, each of us a vow of primal light. When we make, when we imagine we serve that source, we connect spirit and soul. Man, I, I, I love the way their word in it yeah like the part the part when he says uh 
Hold on, Kim. Uh, where is it? It summons us and then returns us there when it's done. Like <clears throat> that's 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 pretty pro- profound to me. Like, cause that's exactly what imagination does. Can you say a little more? I, I can't really go into uh, more in depth about it. I mean, it it just. It's like that. That line is like spot on. It just it it's, it summons us from nowhere and returns us there when it is done. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. You know what it reminds me of, Cody? I I heard a quote once, and it said that we are just ideas in the minds of God. That's what we are. Can, can you say that again? We are just ideas in the mind of God. It's, mm. you know, the idea of myself as an imagined idea. Right. <laughs> From imagination itself. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty. Because, I mean, like, the imagination, it can, <clears throat> it could be so, like, uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like pronounce, but then it just, then you just like come back to reality, like like in the, in the snap of a finger. Do you think there is such a thing as reality? Uh, as far as I know it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's I you know, I, I mean, I guess it could go, I guess it could go either way, you know. You know, imagination could be the reality, and reality could be the imagination. Yeah, I like the whole feeling that you get that it seems to come out of some vast intelligence or nowhereness. And we are that spark, you know, and then we subside back into it. You know, we disappear back into it. I mean, right, right. You know, because I was thinking to myself when I heard the quote that we are just ideas in the mind of God. I thought, how can I just be an idea? But I love the idea of being an idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it takes someone to relate to you in order for you to exist. Otherwise, you're just particles. But Malin wants to say something. I wanted to ask her. About the relationship about the bodhisattva and the imagination, and then the second paragraph, because the paragraph of the imagination goes like in a free direction. But then the the part that ends the story about um, this monk that took the baby, it said something about the imagination. Did did you got it? This this sentence, if saving beings is a task of the bodhisattva, imagining them as her method, is that what you're mm-hmm. asking? Yes. It's like imagining, I got that to mean um, feeling the lives of others, it said before that, as her own, the bodhisattva, 
steps free of her own shape and self and passes through the nothingness into the life of the other. If saving, that's, you know, I kind of felt that that's what it is. It's relinquishing your own um, or this own solid self, feeling of your own solid self and stepping imaginatively into the existence of what appears to be the other. Maybe it's all nothing, a bodhisattva is nothing but imagination at play. I don't know. It's not imagination in the sense of making things up, but it's no. imagination of seeing things clearly. And sometimes we use the expression, um, he really saw me. Mm -hmm. And that takes imagination to see a person because you kind of, it's another meaning of imagination, isn't it? Yeah. That, uh, I really love. I keep coming back to this, but in the in the in uh, Genesis in the Bible, it says that God made things, but gave man the job of naming them. But it seems naming them is an imaginative thing to to distinguish between things and to say this is that and this is this. You know, and it's kind of like busy work for God. What do you think, Malin? But, um, I really like your explanation. It's just that in that paragraph that we read about the imagination, it doesn't show to me a clear relationship to the bodhisattva, but yeah. Well, the big thing about the bodhisattva that he says is 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 walking away from himself, leaving himself, and and becoming seeing the other person, mm -hmm. and that takes imagination. Mm -hmm. Okay, Thank and you. we'd all see it differently based on who we are. Mm -hmm. And imagining, it's an activity. It isn't like a thing, you know? I don't know. Mm -hmm. When we think of bodhisattva, we think of a thing, but maybe bodhisattva is an activity as well. You know, it's an activity within the activity of imagining. Tradi traditionally, a, a bodhisattva could become anything needed for the situation. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. A man or a woman or a fly or, you know, whatever, anything needed. Yeah, it's like the clarity. Um, Just like Hey Quinn, hey Quinn became, became a, oh, this says Jess entered the waiting room. I don't think we ought to do it. We don't know Jess, do we? Who? Just the just uh, there's a just without Apamata, but I'm not sure if that's the same just. Well, just I'll, some, I'll do it, but but uh, I'll 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 be ready, Kim. Okay, okay. <laughs> <Paper bombed. laughs> he might think it's next week. Let's see.
Uh, Jess, do you want to say something? Hello. Uh, sorry, I thought it was 7.30. Oh, but... nice to hear from you, Jess. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, you know, we're starting on the new book next time, but we're having a lot of fun with this book right at the end. And we're talking about the importance of imagination to, to see things. And there was a great line here. If saving beings is a task of the Bodhisattva, imagining them is her method. So uh, you can help us out on this stuff. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll help with that. Okay, at least we're starting a new section a little bit. And we're, we're going to be finishing yeah. the book tonight. And then starting on the book about koans uh, next, next, okay, next time. Uh, so J.K. who just read? Uh, Anyone I remember? Think I, was, I think I was the last one to read. Okay, Gail. Okay. And then we'll do Jess, and then Kim, and then Melen. All right. The birth in darkness of the imagination. The fundamental human imaginative act is to see the other, to guess what the other needs, to engage with the other, to be the other, and to make thereby our own selves. Through this empathy, our fear of deep night gives way to a chastened sadness, an understanding of the poignancy of our situation. Expression is all and yet life flows through and falls from us like a dream. So underneath our fear is a companionable loneliness, a serene light. This light is humble. It doesn't attempt brilliance and there is nothing grandiose or selfish about it. It is a steady glow full of kindness. So, uh, Jess, you might have heard this story, but we just read about the story with Hey Quinn, and he, uh, the girl uh, says he's the father of her child, so they give him the child. They, you know that story? Yeah. I do yeah. That. And so he's talking about that, and then anyway, so this full of kindness, that, that was Hey Quinn's only concern, that there was something needed to be done, right? Right. Yeah, that's right. At whatever cost. Yeah. Okay, your turn, Jess. Okay. Uh, when we completely inhabit our fear, it reveals itself as a tenderness toward life. Then it leads us to make images, stories, music. Basho, in his travels, encountered an ancient battlefield with overgrown mounds and rusted bits of equipment in the dirt. Summer grass, dreams of the warriors under the hill. Here, the wanderer has a memory of those he never knew and is lonely for them, and his loneliness then spreads out 
like a kind of light, the taste of mortality leading into a timeless world. This author has a lot of imagination. <laughs> yeah. At each new step, the walls we have built fall down like Jericho's. We are as afraid of changing as of failing to change. Our alteration asks that we let ourselves fall into the outstretched arms of the world, into a sleep of what we already know. We have to trust that we will be awakened at the right time. Is it then perhaps? Yes. <clears throat> perhaps you remember the story of the old grand meditation teacher who late in life was still eager to learn. His wife of many died. His wife of many years died. He grieved and as many people do, seemed to, to take on some of her qualities. His friends thought him more intimate and more interested in the sort of close connections she used to bring into his life. It was as if she were still walking with him and her going into the darkness was going inside him, her com companion. <clears throat> Nevertheless, it was a hard period. He knew he had finally turned the corner when he was giving a dream, a little lots of plants, plants in a nursery growing well and almost ready to be planted out. Do you know, I, I think I might've shared before that I had the same sort of experience when my sister died, when we were both quite young. We were considered quite different as sisters and when she died, I started to take on some of her characteristics. It was the oddest thing. She was outgoing and warm. I was more introverted and studious. And all of a sudden I started to, <laughs> to become more outgoing. And it's really interesting. Um, you think it was needed? Um, yes, and also it was kind of, um, it's sort of like there's a connectedness that happens um, in our wow. in our close relationships, and when one aspect of this relationship seems to disappear, it's almost as if we're, you know, we we still carry it. Do you know? That is, it's hard to explain, but and it's the same feeling I got when, um, which is totally different which was when I was in inquiry once and I was listening to Flint interact with a woman that I thought was a certain way and um, wasn't sure she even liked me. But when she got up and shared, she was vulnerable and said that she only wanted to belong. And when she said that, my heart just, that's how I feel, you know? <laughs> and so my heart just opened and I realized that we were connected, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like all these aspects of a human experience um, we, ca we carry. I, I, it's hard to explain, but I think it's kind of what he was 
talking about this imagination reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. You gonna um, say something? Well, it's like uh, in the couple paragraphs before, there was a passage about when we kind of meet fully the fear that hit me, when we meet fully the fear, it's actually, there's a tenderness there. And I think that sometimes it's hard to do that. Um, I think it was a little higher. Uh, yeah, a little higher. I see it. Yeah. Um, yeah, when we completely inhabit our fear, it reveals itself as a tenderness towards life. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a lot. But I think often, like, if we're fear fearful or maybe, like, uh, maybe there's a part of us that's, like, judgmental or, you know, critical, like, underneath all that is that it's, like, is just maybe... A, a fear of not belonging and a, a deep want to connect, you know, <laughs> like, so it's like, and we're all so similar, like that fundamental at the very top is just to, just to be, to, to understand each other and to be with. And, and hey, Qu hey, Quinn did that, didn't he? Rather than going to fear, like everyone's going to reject me he had tenderness toward this life well it's weird because it's like it's like my natural in that situation i would be defensive you know i'd want to protect my sanctity or my you know like reputation or i'd want like you know make or be just bad. being right yeah you know what i mean just being right just being right and or like, justice we justice justice yeah, yeah. So that's hard for me. So yeah, I'm, I, it's hard to get to that deeper, that deeper. Yeah, but you know, I think you're right, Just For me, when I'm able to meet those feelings of fear or insecurity or shame or whatever, if I'm able to fully meet them, it, when I see it in somebody else, my, I have much more compassion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I could, you can, your heart kind of opens because you know what it is. Um, yeah. This isn't as serious as a baby, but I was accused of carving my initials in a desk. And I said, I didn't do it. And she said, of course you did. They're your initials. And I said, okay, give me sand, give me sandpaper. And you give me the sandpaper and I just sanded it. And, you know, I knew I wasn't able to convince her, you know, maybe third grade or something. <laughs> It wasn't a it wasn't a baby. I don't know. I think most I've also been accused of something I didn't do when I was a child. And I just remember feeling how incredibly unfair it was. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if it made me more compassionate, but certainly it made me more aware of uh, how somebody might feel in that situation. And and once I, I was thinking about that today, I was I was uh I got a really low grade on the paper and I said, how come? She said, it is so good. You could have never written it. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> okay, I think we're here, right? Time is the next word. Um, uh-huh. No, it's the uh, that paragraph above it. Yeah, above it. Time. Yeah, it starts with time. Uh-huh. Okay, who's okay. reading? It's all. It's all me. Okay. Time is in those green plants. Time and more tasks to do. Their life. Their life is delicate. But then nothing is as forceful as new things. When we are at the growing tip of life. Our dreams are full of babies, young animals, seedling plants. The new work, the new music, the new idea, the developing consciousness is finding a way to get into the world. The image of the greenhouse is important too. Life is not fostered only by good fortune and fine weather. Everything, grief, refuse, refuse the nondescript black material feeds our imagination. Loss can bring us to the nursery. Tears and pearls. Here is an artist's dream of the creative process itself, of the soul making and the links to spirit that are born in the darkness. The cousin in the dream is someone the dreamer is close to, another version perhaps of herself. My cousin is near the shores in a little shack cultivating pearls and mother of pearl. There are various shells in a big vat. I pick up a shell. It's not an oyster, but more like a chambered nautilus and very, very soft. I almost squash it trying to pull the pearl out. I realize it's too small yet and return the shell to the vat. The shells are fed with an extract of ginger, a hot, dense black substance. My cousin has her shack right next to her husband's big business. Her shack is very ordinary and no one notices what is going on. It's very dark in the shack. Am I next? Yeah. Okay. Uh, In this dream, The imagination works invisibly, but the dark in the dark, making beauty and images of the spirit. Pearls come from the irritation of the mollusk. Our suffering is transformed into jewels. Hmm. Uh, So our suffering is the irritation, I guess. Uh, but uh, pearls are also the sea's mysterious treasure. They seem to encourage us to look down into them and to remember our own depths. They are associated with Cleopatra, the Egyptian queen, who in the works of Shakespeare and um, I don't know how that word is pronounced, that name. I'll say Theopolo. Uh, wore them on her compelling skin and drank them dissolved in vinegar. They hold the allure of life and the tears of beauty's passing. 
Afterwards, not thinking of her dream, the artist brought goddess artist bought some teardrop pearl earrings. And these tears are also part of her inner journey. When we weep, we are released, and the lovely tears we wear are not about anything. They are just the tears of the way, swimming with a cloudy light that seems to come from far inside. Yeah, it's quite an imagination. So, so yeah. About a year after her dream of growing pearls, the dreamer was in the country when the power went off during a storm. She was terrified. <coughs> she remembered the suffocating closeness of air raid shelters in Tokyo long ago, the sirens and the shocks of the bombing. Still, she made a decision unique for her to go with the fear, to allow herself to be terrified. And with this acceptance came a flooding relaxation, a serenity and ease. I used to feel anxious and fill myself with the necessary things so that I didn't have to feel the fear. This time I stayed afraid. It was dizzying. Rather than blaming anyone for my state, I was just frightened. I thought, I am just frightened. How extraordinary. Being present is like standing on a cliff, exhilarating. <clears throat> I'm getting softer, softer on the outside and stronger on the inside. Somewhere we read a, a few paragraphs above, I wanted to say something about it, of suffering leading to enlightenment. Is that what he said? Suffering leading to something? Suffering is the irritation of the, the mollusk that... Um, Our suffering is transformed into jewels. Jewels, yeah. And um, I was thinking that the human realm is the best realm to be in because we suffer and from the suffering we can get enlightenment. Like in the heavenly realm, everything is cool so you don't suffer so you can't move like you can in the, you know, so, so be thankful for your suffering. Is that the lesson? I don't know. That heavenly realm sounds really good, you know. <laughs> suffering is only so much. <laughs> There's only so much. Um, yeah. I actually like I, the message I'm getting from what we just read is that just not pushing away a deep emotion like fear, just allowing it to be there in its purity without a story or linking it with something or not wanting it and trying to think of ways to escape it is actually kind of a doorway into beingness that could be very enlightening. I mean, she talks about being exhilarated you know? I am just frightened. How extraordinary. Yeah. yeah, it's just an experience of fright. How interesting. You know? <laughs> uh, wow. But, you know, well, I, 
I spend so much time trying to run away from it that I don't ever fully experience it. And yeah. how sad is that? <laughs> no, I do the same thing. It's like, it's a weird thing. And then it usually grows, you know, the suffering grows. It's, and just to like, here it is. Here's this, you know, feeling the thing. It's like, it sounds like, like she just get this, yeah, flooding relaxation, just knowing that it's here and I'm here with it. Like, there's nothing, what, what is there to be? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just this, so. Yeah, yeah. And interestingly, when I've been able to let go into a, a really strong feeling that I don't want without attaching a, um, words to it or a story, just feeling it in my body, it has like a life to it. You know, it has, it builds, it generates, it moves, it starts to, you know, increase in intensity. And then it, and then it, the intensity goes down and eventually just kind of goes back to where it came from <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And, and it's really interesting uh, to notice that, you know, I think my worry is that if I feel something, I'm going to feel that way always. And that's not yeah. the case. It, it's just a movement, an energetic movement that happens. Yeah, in the moment, it's scary. And you, you know, it's hard to think about the future, but yes, yeah. that's it's really like a full acceptance and a full allowance of whatever is there. But I guess that's why we practice because it's so, it seems like almost counterintuitive. There's something unpleasant, let me get away from it, you know, don't like it. And, um, and then the the wheel turns or you know well that's the fight or flight right you either right. want to get away from it or you want to fight it or right or you just want to be depressed yeah bury it and um in my experience nothing stays buried forever <laughs> i haven't found the one <laughs> Yeah. I'm taking this course, maybe I've mentioned it on boundaries now, and what I've opened is this Pandora's box of all the, the, the broken boundaries in my life and things that I never processed and never dealt with. And it, it's really, really uh, interesting process of, and not something that I would just like choose to do. I thought the course was going to be a, some, about something else. So that's interesting too, and just kind of, uh, but I guess it's my time to look at these things. Very good. Uh, who's reading now? Me? Yeah. I just read, didn't I? No. Yes, I did. Oh, okay. Milan. Now the Black Ginger. Okay. Now the Black Ginger extract of the dream is starting to feel her in the day world. When this happens, when we do not turn away from our failures and insufficiencies, then what was dark becomes bright. What was painful becomes the occasion of release. In even the narrowest circumstances, life is a plenitude. To welcome life instead of fighting it. To be befriend... 
Right, yeah. yeah. To befriend the moments of night is to respect our embodiment and fulfill its tasks. We are simple then, happy or afraid or peaceful. And though, and through that simplicity and openness, we are linked with each other. Meeting each other is possible. That's nice. Mm. This all reminds me of this uh, Rumi poem, The Guest House. It uh, talks about welcoming feelings. Do you guys know that? I know Gail does. Should we read it? Yeah. It's so beautiful. Sure. Yeah, it's a perfect similarity. It's like just right in. I think it's a, it's a great um, metaphor for for a meditation. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know when we're not defended, that's when meaning joining can happen. When we're not what contented, defended. Oh, you know, like defended, defensive. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's when we can meet other people but if we're always afraid of getting hurt or um angry about something um yeah it's not possible who would like to read it i'll okay. read yeah oh good go ahead cody the guest house this being human is a guest house every morning a new arrival a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected, unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrow who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a God from beyond. So beautiful. I'm glad you mentioned it, Jess. I haven't read it for a few years. And um, it's such a great metaphor for the thoughts that come into our head. For me, you know, when you're sitting, isn't it? Yeah, it's like... I just, I don't know. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I, I was doing, uh, <laughs> what's it called? I don't know what it's called, but where you like bow and, and prostrate. And I just had a practice where I do that a hundred times a day. And uh, I would, my mantra is like, uh, I accept all and I can choose. And the accepting all is like, even all of these like meanness and you know, violence and whatever else, like these thoughts or feelings and sadness and um, something about doing that every day. It's like, because it's a very, it seems easy when you read this poem, like, oh yeah, I'll do that. But it's, um, it, it, uh, it, it's just not. And this idea of welcoming and entertain them all, yeah. you know, not picking and choosing. And there's a idea in Judaism that all our thoughts come from God. 
Right, that's good. I, I like the last uh, stanza where it's really kind of referring to all these things as gifts. They've been sent to us specially as gifts. You know, these things that we think we don't want. <laughs> what does it say? Be grateful yeah. because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Yeah. I really like that. <laughs> it's like the suffering and the mollusk and that irritation and who knows what all of this does or brings, but it's... it's the, the, the universe takes care of us, doesn't it? Yeah, and we are the universe. It's like, it's just this strange. We're always sent what, what's needed. We're sent what's needed, I guess. Um, yeah, it's all perfect, I guess, in some way, but I don't know. Yeah, and not to like, I think it's like not to benefit us in some way because us is not, there's not like a separate self. It's just like what what is needed is God knows, you know, it's like, it's just a strange thing. <clears throat> well, it was clear what the baby needed. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. Okay, who's reading now? I think it's all me. Okay. Happiness rises out of the ground. Happiness means resting in the light, not to get in the way, not to obscure what is naturally pouring forth. Insofar as there is any inside or outside, happiness comes from within. We just live in harmony with the currents of the wind, like the wavering lines of geese in the autumn sky like the thick bull kelp undulating in the surf. As we continue on the journey without end, we no longer hold on to the light. The light adheres to us in our weariness as well as in our joy. Well, the primal stuff seemed dark. Now when we are happy, close to the earth, it seems bright even when it is dark. Doing nothing, we work through joy, feeling there is no separation between ourselves and what we are doing. Whatever rises before us is the answer we have always waited for, the thing which we are grateful. It comes to us from before the beginning of time. Consciousness is both our uniqueness and our adventure. Through it, we reflect and imagine. We see the snow, the stars, and the rain, the first plum blossoms thrust out in a pink haze, the girl crying in the wet street, and we see that each thing and being demonstrates its own portion of eternity. Um, this seeing blesses our lives. They are like us, these other inhabitants of earth, women and men, pigmented and pale. He's quite the writer. Uh, wolves and redwoods, brief beings hurtling into the dark. We share with them a mysterious nature. Each thing appears before us in its solitary radiance. What seems solid before now does not. And what seemed doomed seems 
now no longer fated to disappear. The consoling and alarming discovery is that we are not bounded by our skin. What we witness, we become. We are not separate any more than we are lonely. We are the snow making a silence as it falls. The girl picking up her bicycle. The blossom adrift on the bow, on the bow. This is the inside of Buddhism, an image of the jeweled net that holds the world and all of us in a seamless continuity. It is also the insight of creative process, the alchemy by which the harshest touch, <coughs> the bitterest grief is altered through our careful openness and attention so persevering, it becomes a kind of love into something astonishing, a pain filled with immortal brightness Refusing nothing of life, our sorrows, like pails of water, carry their gleam. Our happiness suffuses the shadows as well as the light. In our transforming openness, we have been drinking what is simple, and it has made us drunk. At home with Han Shan. Long ago, there was a Chinese sage called Han Shan. He abandoned his career and went to life to live on a mountain. When he shut the gate of his hermit er, hermitage, he never expected to open it again. Released from his time, he became an attached, spontaneous at ease with the pine scent and endless views that composed his life. His poems have the pristine quality of the inner and outer wilderness. Each age has its own task. For most of us now, our monasteries have no walls ex except the silence our meditation gathers to the center of our lives. And this is enough. It is more than enough. Our Hermitage is the act of living with attention in the midst of things, amid the rhythms of work and love, the bath with the child, the endlessly growing paperwork, the ever-present likelihood of war, the necessity for taking action to help the world. For us, a good spiritual life is permeable and robust. It faces things squarely knowing the smallest moments are all we have, and that even the smallest moment is full of happiness. The young girl asks her father to call out words so that she can spell them. But in order to spell correctly, in order to concentrate perfectly, she must sing the letters. W-O-U-L-D-T-H-O-U-G-H-T a-N-I-M-A-L, while skipping up and down the length of the kitchen, waving one hand and holding a bagel in the other. Thus she achieves perfect not doing. It enables her to spell, to enter the community of readers and grown-ups. 
the Bodhisattva harmonizes with uncertainty, with the dreaming power of the imagination, with the truth that the world beyond this one toward which we yearn, the world we came from when we were born, and that we have remember in lovely things, the world in which we are at home always, walking with our companions through swaths of sunlight and rainlight. Is this very is this very world? This kitchen with the water lilies painted on the floor by an artist friend. This sleepy child doing homework at the breakfast table. The life we yearn for is our own walking through common days. It is the ascent and the fall, the plateau, plateaus and recurrences, the moment of awakening and the moment of falling asleep. What we need and what we love, what consoles us and what redeems us is here each moment already within us. It waits for us to recognize its presence. We have only to give ourselves up to it in our one life, in all life, welcomes us into its arms. We are done. It was a beautiful book. Yeah, I think we're going to have a hard time finding an author who writes so beautifully. <laughs> so our, our next book is uh, Joan Sutherland's book on koans. And um, what I think we did, the last koan book we did, is we would read the koan and then we'd write something, and then we read the commentary. Do you guys like that format? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it, had, it had two commentaries, the last book, by two different um, commentators. You know, one was ancient and one was current. Was that Gogu? Was that the author? I can't remember. Yeah, well, why don't I? Yeah. Well, one is, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The first commentary would confuse us. Yes, because it was so um, in the language of thousands of years ago. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, and that was uh, this Woman's. Yeah. Woo somebody. Um, I don't think I have. Yes, go on. I was going to ask if this uh, new book has uh, a commentary as well. Does it have a koan and then a commentary set up? The new one? Uh, well, I'm looking at it and I don't know. It's kind of weird because it reads like a book. 
um, at the beginning of each chapter, there's, and some of them have these little koans, and then it's just like a regular chapter. So there's not like, a, it's not like dual commentaries and stuff. It's just the author. Um, Did you, is that book available electronically or did? Uh, yes, yes, and I'll be sharing it. Oh, it is. Okay. I'm going to send something out again, too. So we usually have more people at the beginning of a book than the end. Oh, yeah. You guys really, you know, should celebrate because I know when the book starts and I was here for. I thought that we were reading this book today. When the book starts, there's like I, lots of people, and then it just like gets so small. It's really one so time. Cool. I don't know if you were there, Jess, but but we had we set up t two tables in the zendo. Were you there, Gail? Yes, I was there for the in-person ones long before COVID. Right, uh, and where we, we did it in the zendo for the first time, and then it, the numbers yeah. started dropping. Yeah 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 but we always had i think maybe because peg was um you know the host uh we usually always had at least five or six if not more more than what we get like today um it's it's interesting because we always used to have peg as moderator yeah. and so everybody be a little bit quiet about what they thought about the book and just wait for her to explain what we've read. <laughs> you know? right. And this is so different because we're all just sort of like winging it <laughs> you know, in an odd way. Well, Je I like Jess, I have a question for you as a therapist. Uh -huh. and, and that is that what kind of person could really be like improve from reading like the, what we just read tonight like a a person who's clinically depressed they probably wouldn't be affected by this right they're not going to be unclinically depressed after reading it i mean you know i don't know i i think like i think how we feel is based on what's happening in our entire life you know and i think that you know, like reading a content like this, like reading this, if that's all you did was read this and say, oh, okay, that makes sense. Let me like go on. And, you know, I think it would just be a drop in the bucket. But I think if you like were reading this and reading this with others and did this every week and thought about it and reflected on it, then maybe you had like a sitting practice and maybe you, you, you reflected on the, on the guest house and, you know, when you would sit and, you know, if you did all of those things, I think, yeah, it would make, you know, you would notice changes um, in addition to like what else is happening in your life. And, you know, like, I mean, there would be other elements that would be, you know, you know, yeah, other elements that are bringing the feelings, you know, to where they are now. And some of it isn't so, you know, I mean, it depends, like if it's, you know, depends on what it is but yeah I think it can make a difference but it's I think that's the beauty of our practice is you know when it is a practice when it's like a it's part of our it's like a fabric in our life and it, I think it really it helps me 
when it gets shared, I think what I'm hearing is when we sh when it's sh a shared kind of experience, you know, in a way, um, yeah. which I think is really interesting. You know, you, you just don't sit there and read a book on your own and suddenly everything, you know, become enlightened. It's sort of, uh, maybe somebody does, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, like, uh, I think Flynn always says, like, we're social creatures, we're social, we're mammals, so we're social. And so that's a huge part like, of depression, you know, like, if you're meeting with people and talking with people, that's so helpful for your mood. So, um yeah, I think, and I, I think, you know, like I work in a, at, the mem at a memory center, so people that have dementia, and, you know, some of our patients, they'll want to read about it, and, but they'll read about it themselves, and is, they'll, all of their fear comes up, you know, and, but when you do it as part of a group, it's completely different. So handling challenging subjects together I think is like, I just like, okay, you're not just caught in your own, you know, the self-centered dream sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I have a friend who's going through a cancer experience and um, one of the things that he's just started doing, and actually I think it's a Buddhist therapist who's doing it with them is, is a group um, who of people that are, going through similar experience and, you know, very varying stages in their illness. And, but um, I think he finds it helpful. And also um, I think he feels he's helping. You know, you, you yeah. said it before, Gail, like it's so much easier to generate compassion for others than it is sometimes like when we're just inhabited, when we're just like, fear just overwhelming us you know it's just so much easier to like have that those feelings generated so it, that just brings such a likeness so it's yeah it's a weird I think you know I, I yeah I've been kind of a little bit off the radar and I think like this group I really I I always really enjoyed and appreciated and uh, it is fun too like <laughs> I think in a Buddhist action now we we had that where Peg wasn't there reading a book. And at the same time, maybe in book club here, we would, you know, read with Peg. And it's kind of funny because, yeah, with her not here, you're just free to like, there felt like a freedom just to say whatever you're thinking. And, right. You, know. you don't have to be right. In fact, you're probably wrong about it, but <laughs> at, least, yeah. <laughs> yeah. at least you're, you know, you know, sharing what's resonating in whatever way it happens. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the koans are funny uh, because the last koan book we did, right, Kim and, and Cody and uh, Malin, I don't know, were you in the koan book, Malin? I can't remember. Um, no. Sometimes. Well, we would try to figure out the koan and I kept thinking, gee, we need Peg here to explain this koan to us. We, as we get going, we realize that there's just really no way you can figure out a koan. <laughs> That's the whole point of it, you know what I mean? That, um, it's what it, what it generates in you. you know, but we got a lot closer by the end of each time, didn't we? Yeah. You know, where yeah. before, at the beginning we'd be totally Lost. Baffled. <laughs> Lost. Yeah. 
some, did some a, of them. Yeah. The, the author did a beautiful job on them, I think. Yeah, some of them. Some, some of them. Go on, Cody. Some of them. Some of them were pretty easy to figure out, but some of them were just kind of like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what I found that most of them were um, pointing you to the fact that you cannot land on a solid yes or no. Do you know what I mean? Because what you think you are is the heart of what you're, what's trying to figure out. And it's really more about what is it that's trying to figure this koan out rather than the koan itself, Do you know? Uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to explain, but you just couldn't land on anything because everything kind of was pointing toward this false self in the way you might look at it. I think we might have, we, did we, Gail, did we read the koan and then um, sit? Oh. And then read it again and then write and then and then read the commentary. Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, read the koan, sit, write, and then read the commentary. No, read the koan, sit. Yeah, he said Then that. reread the koan. Oh. And, then, and then, so that it becomes the, kind of the intention of our sitting. Someone was asking the other day about what does it mean to sit with it and just not to think about it but to be there with it yeah you know like sitting next to a person but not on top of them maybe that's a bad example (laughs) (laughs) no i I mean uh you know what what uh recently resonated with me is that reading this um this Thich Nhat Hanh book, The Heart of um, the Buddha's Teachings, and he describes meditation as, as just resting. He's like, just like animals rest in nature, uh, and you see them like curled up resting. Like, we can rest in other positions besides lying flat, you know, and just resting. It should, it should feel restful, and, you know, it, there, there should be those elements. And then I was like, oh, okay, that's helpful. So anyways, yeah, and when you mentioned the koan, it's just like, just resting in it. <laughs> I like to think of it, you know, like you throw a rock in a stream and, and the, the um, ripples soften and disappear. Yeah. Yeah. So this next book um, is like, you read one con one night and then change to another one so you can skip some sessions. It's not like a... Yeah, it, what, what's the length of the chapters? Uh, the chapters, they're really short. So I think they're really only like, some are just two pages, some are three pages, some are five pages. So it kind of varies, six pages. Um, but they're pretty short, so you would at least yeah. get. I don't think it's 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 good to do more than one a night. So it'll be oh yeah. So then, and like the way you're describing the writing and sitting, and you know, it seems like. But I don't know. My experience with koans 
in general, and Kim, you, you correct me, is um, like you can skip them and come back and like it's, it's a new koan, so it's like a new day. They don't kind of build. Is that, what are your thoughts? Now, I had a nice koan today. I, I was, uh, had practice discussion with Flint and I, I just had mentioned this Pandora's box of all this stuff. And he said, you know, and how difficult these, these situations that occurred in my life were. And he said uh, something about, so you can focus on repair. And then after we were done, I said, well, how do I, you know, to myself, how do I do repair when the person is dead or where I'm never going to talk to them again? And then I, I thought of, a, uh, of another situation where I actually asked him about a difficult situation. And he, uh, but anyway, he, he talked about how lonely this person was. But I thought with compassion um, and understanding, you can do repair. Yeah. Well, and like compassion is... I mean, you might hate your father because he beat you, and then you could look at the side of him where where he, uh, you know, he was beaten or he had such a tough life or, you know, this this one person watched as his friends were being hung by the communists, you know, that kind of thing. And so, you know, what, what would that do to any of us? Mm -hmm. That's what happened with my experience with my father. I actually made peace with him two years after he passed. And it was just that kind of an experience. Of understanding and compassion? Yes, because it happened on a retreat and I was on the pillow and I, it was about doing things perfectly. We were trying to do things perfectly in the Zendo, walk perfectly. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, my father was a perfectionist. And then something just went off like a, it was like he was walking with me. And I got all these images of stories I'd heard about his childhood. Mm. And, uh, and I suddenly just understood him as a, you know, as a child, what he must have gone through and where that, you know, where that characteristic came from. It, yeah. it's, it's, it's quite a shift, isn't it? Oh my God. I mean, I cried and I, you know, I, I forgave everything, everything. And I forgave not only him, but I forgave his mother and his father and their parents. And, and then I kept, I got this feeling that I was moving off into an unknown future of forgiveness. You know, like everything was getting forgiven. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was thinking to Malen, you know, the photographer, Edward, Edward Weston, um, his, he wrote the day books in two volumes. And the first volume was how young I was. And I thought that's an, a really beautiful uh, way of looking at, you know, our past many years ago, how young we were. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people don't have to be alive. Um, I, I definitely can attest to the fact that a whole lot can happen. I mean, because what is this alive anyway? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. There's still connection happening in some way that I don't understand. Yeah. You know, so. You could write a letter, you could journal, you know. Are any of you taking Peg's class on rebirth? Yeah, I am. Oh. Are you Malin? Were you there? Yeah. Yeah, I remember you. 
Oh, good, good. I, I'm, I haven't listened yet. I couldn't go because of another uh, thing. Oh, because setting up the, the art exhibit, but uh, I can start going. Good. I signed up today. Okay. You didn't miss much. <laughs> I didn't. Well, no, all she wants us to do the first week is, uh, I guess there were seven questions that the Buddha was asked that started his, and his responses are the basis of this class. And she wanted us to um, answer those questions ourselves oh. without reading what he had responded yet. And so, of course, you're reading the question, you go, I don't know. <laughs> it's interesting. I look forward to it. Okay, see you guys. Thank you so much. Congratulations, you. everyone, for getting through the whole book. <laughs> Good night. We're troopers. Good night. Good night. Bye. Good night.